This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic. I'll do it again. I almost said fantastic twice. Here we go. Oh, no, I said, never mind. Forget it. Here we go. Three, two. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Scott Schutte, your host. And with us, you love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh, yeah. Mr. Coonrod. What is up? How you doing, Scott? Me? Well, I'm... Fair to Midland. I'm stealing it. Last week, Abby stole it. This week, I'm stealing it because you don't have a patent on it, sir. You should get a patent on it. Put that copyright C right on the Fair to Midland. No. Sell the no. t shirt. We need to sell a t shirt. I feel we should live in a world where everybody is fair to Midland. Ooh, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. How are you, sir? Well, I can't say fair to Midland. You've already said it. I'm, I'm pretty good. This week, you're doing pretty good. Climbed, climbed that mountain. <laughs> I'm going to climb that mountain. I think the, um, oh, that wasn't an Oak Ridge Boys, Alabama Mountain Music. That's how that song starts out. You've lost me. I'm so sorry. That's way more information than you need to know, sir. Go listen to yeah. Mountain Music and put that needle drop right at the beginning. And they got some geezer like me saying, see that mountain? I'm going to climb that mountain. And then they go into the song. <laughs> I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Let's bring in uh, your you favorite should. design you favorite design expert, uh, Abby Dawson, everybody. Abby. Hey, Scott. How are you today? I'm good. I hope everybody's ready because we were just saying right before we started, Scott's a little spicy today, y'all. <laughs> I know. It's so I am. awesome. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little extra spicy today. <laughs> Just to give the audience a bit of context, we usually record like Sunday morning. Like, so like I'm barely a functional human being. Scott though, Scott's like some machine that's built to be chipper and happy. So like Sunday morning at eight o'clock, he's like, what's up everybody. And I'm just <laughs> barely cognizant. But like now this is a Wednesday evening for us. By the time you hear, it'll be whenever you hear it. But like, the extra salt and pepper in Scott is refreshing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I I totally totally get that. And um, I I I think I think it's because of our very special guest and our topic. And so that I can continue on this. Super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. Hi, let's go ahead and get to know our special guest, everybody. In a little segment that we call "What's Your Deal." Hey, man, what's your deal? Rich. Hey, hello. What, what's your deal, my friend? What's my deal? Mm-hmm. Not as spicy, I think, as Scott, but happy to be here for sure. I would totally love you to tell everybody about who you are and what brought you here. And here's a little spice to get you going. There it is. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name's Rich. Rich, uh, Rich Vass, and I am a resident of the Rocky Mountain West, and that's right here in Utah. 
uh, where um, ELB Learning is based, formerly known as eLearning Brothers, recently rebranded. And um, I'm currently working in a capacity of uh, leading the learning solutions team there, which is how I met Dan at a recent conference a few months ago. Remember that, Dan? True story. I do. I do remember that. I've been in this field, so I'm currently um, working with ELB Learning. I've been with them since, oh boy, it's going on a dozen years now. I'm one of the co-founders of the custom division. So um, for those of you who know ELB or eLearning Brothers, as they were previously called, we again, we rebranded recently, but we've always been a, a templates company where we really just help folks create better online learning by providing digital assets, images, games, layouts, quizzes, interactive, uh, you name it. It's it's all out there, including 9,000, over 9,000 customized PowerPoints that are different than the stuff you would normally see out in Microsoft land. And then uh, over the years, you know, we've, land, we, we've added services. So we've had products for years, like subscriptions to get all that cool stuff. Uh, but I'm on the services side. So now ELB Learning has a custom team. That's what I came in to build about 10, 12 years ago. And now we have a learning strategy team and so all that stuff. So my background, 30 years in this space. I really started my career in learning and development in 93 with a big financial company and got into the training department because it looked like fun. And I've been designing and developing learning ever since. Mostly I consider myself an instructional designer and learning. Well, I like learning architect better. That's maybe learning experience designer. You know, some of the cooler phrases that are out there. Um, that's what it feels like we've evolved into, but that's been my background. That's my deal. Well, we're certainly glad that you're here. I can speak personally of working with you many years ago um, and you're doing great stuff. And the thing that I appreciate about ELB is um, their desire to make everybody better, which is why all of us got into this business to begin with. Uh, overnight, you made my work look amazing, and uh, you helped a team <laughs> of neophytes that had no idea what they were doing look amazing. And you've been doing that not just for me, but for thousands of other people uh, across the globe. And and uh, I think that that is amazing. I was going to say we used to use the word awesome a lot, but now we just say better. Not that we'll make your training awesome, because you may already have really awesome, cool learning in your you know, organization. So now we just say, we help you create better. And whatever you created, we bet we can help make it better. So that's our mantra these days. And that's the bottom line. Gold, gold, that's right. <laughs> Did we mention that I'm a little spicy tonight? Okay, that's fantastic. It's so awesome. I know. Uh, again, Rich, so glad that you showed up, taking time to talk to our audience today. I think that's really awesome. And we've got some really exciting things to talk about that I know a lot of my peers are like, what? Um, and so without further ado, everybody, let's go ahead and get into our topic of the week, shall we? Okay, tonight we're talking AI versus adaptive training. What should we know now as learning professionals? So again, chat GTP just came online. I, by the way, South Park did an epic episode of chat GTP. Did you happen to catch that? No. Is that a recent one? It's a recent one and you need to watch it. I'm oh, going to leave it at watch that. that after this. <laughs> yeah, totally. I need to go watch it. <laughs> Because everybody's talking about it. Everybody's kind of like, what's going on and how does this affect my life? And how do we, I think for today, like, um, what do we need to be thinking about? Because the genie's out of the bottle, bottle excuse me, um, and AI is here. It's kind of here to stay. My CPU is a neural net processor, That's a learning computer. Learning computers are here. <laughs> so, Rich, AI versus adaptive learning. So as a learning professional who's been around 30 years, and who's been very interested in all of this 
that's sort of culminating now. Um, you know, my undergrad was in business information systems. I thought I would become a computer slash programmer guy, but I ended up going the route that I went uh, in learning and development. Um, this space we're in now, first, I guess we'll talk about adaptive learning. Do we all know what we mean by adaptive learning? I was going to say, I, I think we've probably got a decent handle, but I would love if you could share with our audience what you mean when you're saying it. Yeah. So adaptive learning, just so we're all on the same page, really is about checking the learner and assessing them and then adjusting the content to meet them where they're at. So for example, you might uh, have to do a compliance training on five topics every year for safety inside your organization. Maybe you work in the warehouse, so you need to know about fire extinguisher safety, forklift safety, and so on and so forth. Well, if you got to certify that every year, when you go to take the learning, and let's say it's an e-learning program or an online training, it's asynchronous, there's no instructor present, then you could do a little pre-assessment, literally checks your knowledge, checks the boxes on this and that objective, and then only serves up to you two of the five topics or three of the five, et cetera. So a lot of our um, clients have been doing that for a long time. We've been helping them do that for a long time. And I think with the variables and all of that that's available in many of the e-learning authoring tools today, adaptive learning is certainly been around for, I'll say five plus years, although there are probably some early adopters who were doing that even beforehand. And Rich, that's so you did a great job explaining like the functional bit, how that works. Tell us a little bit about the benefits of doing that when you use those methodologies. Yeah, great question, Abby. We definitely see a reduction in seat time. So speed to competence is improved. So I can get to where I need to be faster. Um, the, you know, you look at the, say the Kirkpatrick levels of evaluation, um, you know, how, how well is this training received? Level one, do people like it? Level two, did you learn from it? Can you pass a test? Level three, did my behavior change as a result of it? Level four, results. Did it, you know, have, have results now been impacted positively for the organization? Um, when you when you talk about number one, the, the reaction level has been much improved. So people really like it. In our experience, when they don't have to sit through maybe a dry topic for any longer than is necessary. If you can show your boss or HR or whoever is asking or submitting you to the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the client's refresher or whatever it would happen to be, if you can demonstrate your understanding and knowledge, and that really is a basic adult learning principle that goes all the way back to uh, 101 stuff that I was learning in the 90s, but adults have a wealth of knowledge that they bring to the table. And if we can respect that and honor that and, you know, not make them endure stuff they don't want to endure, then that's a bonus for any training and development department. Uh, I was going to say attention's like a, a finite resource. So anything you can do to like conserve that and like make sure that your learners feel and have the room to be engaged and not like get fed up with the training to your point to a dry topic. Yeah. hundred percent. Can't get away with it in some cases. For example, the state of California, if you are a manager of people, you must demonstrate seat time of one hour or two hours of sexual harassment training every year. And, you know, even though you may know all the Title VII stuff and the quid pro quo and the hostile environment, all those things, you're still going to have to show that you sat for two hours. And the military does that somewhat as well. We've done some Department of Defense contracts where the seat time is required or the classroom time. We could debate that on whether or not that's a good idea, but I think most learners would say, don't make me do it if I don't have to. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a good idea every year, <laughs> but <laughs> no. it does. Somebody thinks it is the powers that be whoever they are. think that it is, but. So this is fantastic. So AI, how's that different? How's that change everything? It's a concept around artificial intelligence. And there is now, I'm going to call it a culmination. Um, and there's been some harbin harbingers. How would you say that? Harbinger? 
Harbinger? Harbinger. <laughs> Thank you. There's been some harbingers in the recent, uh, in the media recently. I read a book by Yuval Noah Harari. I saw Bill, Bill Gates had been reading him. And so I picked it up and uh, it was called um, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. He talks about the two big issues that will impact us in the coming, in the coming decades. And those are AI and biotech. Neil deGrasse Tyson just wrote Cosmic Perspectives. That came out. That was a bestseller just this year um, or late last year. But same thing. He talked about, let's look at the last few decades. Look what's happened in just chunks of 10 years between now, 2023, and 2013. Look at all that's happened. Think about just what's happened in the last 10 years with the iPhone and the proliferation of smartphones and, and all of that. Well, AI has been around a while. Think about ChatGPT. Um, so ChatGPT is a product of Open.ai, uh, as well as some other tools. DAL-E, D-A-L-L hyphen E. DAL-E is an image generator. So you can sit down at your computer and type in, show me uh, uh, or generate for me a monkey in a spacesuit uh, floating in orbit around Mars eating a pineapple and in the style of Van Gogh. And uh, you'd be astounded at what will be generated for you. Um, and so those image generators, text generators have been around for a while, many, many years. In fact, there's um, some recent work done. There's a new book out by some Harvard grads who, and a, a, a one professor, I believe, I can't remember their name off the top of my head, but uh, they wrote The Prediction Machine about six years ago when this thing was getting big. There was a big Toronto conference uh, on AI. We're talking 2015. So that's eight years ago. And a lot of people attended that, a lot of discussion around it. And where is it going? Where is it headed? And where are we going? Well, you know, it's going to impact everything. And um, obviously early adopters, but OpenAI, which of course now has been purchased by Microsoft for $10 billion, um, really has been growing now for six to 10 years. And so now that it's getting sort of, it's out of its infancy, now it's out in the world walking around and shaking hands with all of us. It's, uh, I think it really starting to blow our minds. And so when I talk about adaptive versus AI, so adaptive learning is I'm going to check the brain of my one person, my one learner, and see where they're at. Well, AI can check the brains of billions of people at one time, so to speak, and come up with an answer, let's say. So I can't even begin to think about, well, I can begin to think about it, but just starting to think about all of the possibilities that are now coming together in this world of AI and how it will impact learning are quite fascinating. Let's just start with kids in school. Well, that's, 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 that's where we all start learning. And if your teacher told you today, go write me, go read uh, all about Frederick Douglass, which I remember reading in my early college years, um, the African-American um, slave who was, became a free man, uh, his story. Write me a story about that. You can open up ChatGPT today, and very soon you'll be able to open up Microsoft Word, now that Microsoft has its hands on you know, OpenAI, and just say, please write for me three pages on Frederick Douglass. Boom, done. It's developed. Yeah. I, I know like just all kinds of controversy about like how uh, chat G GPT was going to change like the landscape for like the written assignment, like English papers, papers, comprehension, learning papers. And like, I, I, I feel like there was a lot of noise about it very briefly. And then it's gotten kind of quiet. I, I was going to just to go back, you talked about how much AI has changed in the past 10 years. I'll, I've got a, an interesting perspective there. For the past two years, I, I was paying for an AI writing tool, just something that would help like give me prompts and give me things when I wanted to write stuff and to help like get me out of corners when I had written myself into a corner. And the pay model for all of them until recently was you pay by the character generated. Like, hey, for free, you can have like 5,000 characters a month. But if you pay this much, you can have up to 120,000 characters per month. And I was a paying customer because I'd be like, ah, yeah, I, I need to write this or I need to like write this piece of marketing slang because, you know, I, I got to make sure that like everything looks and sounds good. Even asking it sometimes just to check my grammar. 
Uh, ChatGPT has a paid tier, but it's free right now. And I have since unsubscribed to that AI writing service where I was just like, I don't, I don't need you anymore. And I feel kind of bad because like their model is, is destroyed. Like it's now to your point, it's going to be integrated into Microsoft office. It's going to be there available to fingerprints for like for everybody, like this amazing democratization access to the technology. I was reading an article this morning where just like um, stable diffusion, which is the AI art tool you can run on a home computer there's a version of chat GPT that is coming to be available on your own PC. So you'll be able to privatize it, democratize it, have everybody will have access. And uh, I mean, like just that change is just in the last like six months. It's we've really hit like an explosive, explosive amount of growth in the field for a field that to your point, yeah, has been like, kind of like, I think it was 2014 where they were doing image generations and it was like, we made, we made a school bus. And it was like, yeah, if you squint, that that is definitely (laughs) a yellow block. It looks like a bus, maybe. And some little wheels or circles on the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, I use mid journey and it's the things that it can generate. If if we're not playing with these tools already, I, I lead, I lead this team, right? At ELB, we do, um, we do international projects where we're, we're, we're providing services for lots of clients. I'm telling my team uh, just the last few months, let's make sure we're staying on top of this stuff because, you know, it affects all kinds of things where it can affect the quality of the content we're providing. Somebody needs a training course on OSHA requirements, yada, yada, yada. Well, we could write it. My team could write it. We could write it and build it and that costs us much money. Or we could just assimilate it all through an open AI tool chunk it into X content items for you. Now you can do it yourself, but in, as a service provider, and all of us at the end of the day are service providers, whether we're working for a company or you know, we're providing a service for money. So you could say to your client slash internal or external, in my case, a lot of external clients, but I could say, hey, look, I'll build you an OSHA course. Sure, we'll do that. But if we're going to write it and really think about all the uh, you know lockout, tagout stuff and slips, trips, and falls within the context of your company, which is maybe a retail company. So all the scenarios will be about being careful in the store, not slipping on the floor, whatever. You know, I could build that for you. Or I could just go and have, you know, we'll just do it on, on an open AI platform. And then we'll assimilate it all. We'll build it into an e-learning course and it'll be done. There will come a day very soon. It may already be here and I just don't know about it. Maybe I'm... I don't want to think about it, but you know, you'll be able to say, provide me an e-learning course that is a SCORM-based zip, um, fully packaged, 10 slides that uh, covers the basics of OSHA uh, within the context of retail or warehouse or manufacturing or whatever. And then it'll create it all, done, done, zip, finished. You'll be able to do that with PowerPoint within the next year. Give me a 10-slide PowerPoint on X, Y, or Z. Um, I'll be surprised if we're not there yet. My question is, and I'm sure you have a good answer for this because it's kind of your industry, but um, I know when a lot of folks come into learning, they get really excited about templates when they're brand new because they have nothing to start with, right? And templates give them Mm -hmm. somewhere to go, right? And then they get to a place where they're like, I'm too good for templates. Like, I can do this without templates. I'm really smart. I'm really talented. You know, don't get those templates away from me. I'm going to prove my value just through how I'm able to do it. And then eventually they come around and they go, why am I killing myself? Like there are such good templates out there. Like why yeah. am I doing this to myself? I think that there are some parallels with what's coming with AI because I hear it in my own head. I hear myself going like, oh, that could make so many things so much easier. And then I go, I don't need AI. I'm a dang professional. I've been doing this my whole life. Like, <laughs> so, but you know, you'll never like, beat the speed and efficiency <laughs> of a computer. You just never will. Right. Yeah, right. that's why uh, Scott's uh, Terminator clip earlier was very appropriate. Not that it's <laughs> going to be like that. It's not going to get scary, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, Abby. Power and prediction, the disruptive economics of artificial intelligence. The first few chapters of their book are fascinating. This new book that, um, you know, is, I think, one of the, probably one of the best works now on this whole concept. They talk about how long it takes to adopt something new, even when it's a no-brainer. And the analogy they use is the steam engine, steam-powered versus electricity. And do we know, you know, the early industrial age when steam was powering everything, 
And then electricity, when that came along, it's in the book, but now I can't remember. Any historians here? Are we talking? I think we're talking early 20s. I can nerd out. I mean, like, I think you've got your first steam engine in like the late, like 1689. And then really, you really start. Oh, was it that early? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask chat GTP. I'm pretty sure it knows. (laughs) Oh, it knows. It'll tell you all about it. But like. But like you, you'll find like like the huge like push into like steam and stuff like that just through like the the back half of like the 18th century and then like basically through like basically through the midway of the 20th and yeah like the transition from from steam to to gas to diesel it, i mean like the amount of energy and stuff that you got out of them the transition once electricity came on the scene uh, I guess it's safe to say mid to late 19th century. So let's say steam had been around for 100 years, 150 plus years, powering things and you, you pressurize something and then you can make wheels turn and whatnot. Well, let's imagine a shop floor that is configured to provide fabric and sewing uh, for their clients in the 19th century. And the whole floor has been built uh, let's say vertically, because the steam pipes are being powered by generators or turbines in the basement or whatnot, and they have to run up the outside walls where there's in valves that come out of those walls to power the sewing machines. So if you can just picture that, you know, if we if we know something of hydraulics and steam, it's kind of how that would roll. So the entire the entire system, the entire building was built to accommodate steam. And so when you come in and talk about electricity and well, what, what that's about and how much more efficient that could be, and I walk right up to a shop floorman and I, a shop floor manager, and I say, hey, you know, this little sewing machine right here where this person's sitting here doing some sewing and, uh, you know, they're under a deadline, their piece rate, they have to, you know, you're, everything's about how many you can create in an hour and the whole business is based on that. You know, if you were to just run a little generator right here with, that was electric, then you could just power it right here. It'll be more efficient and there'll be less downtime, you know, the whole nine yards. So there's just a no brainer, less expensive, easier to run. It took a hundred years or more for folks to start to shift to electricity. And do you know why? I'm going to speak a shot in the dark and say cost. (laughs) Well, when you say cost, what, what do you mean? What kind of cost are you talking about? Oh, I mean, now you've asked that. I, I was going to say dollars, but I mean, with that question and the follow-up, I want to be like, people in labor cost? <laughs> I was thinking the building design, right? Everything was built for steam. Abby nailed it. It's the, it's the layout of the entire operation. The whole system has been structured for um, steam. And the, the, literal, the literal structure of the building, which is vertical many floors, relies upon, you know, these pipes that have to connect and it's easier to just to run one pipe straight up a wall. Whereas if you go with electricity and now each little individual workstation can kind of have its own little power supply, well, that can becomes very flat. Well, we're talking major dollars to shift that. Um, you could make the argument that with fossil fuels and the gas, oil and gas industry, and you know, is there this sort of sort of battle going on between fossil fuels and EV or electric vehicles? Some might argue, yeah. There is, and there's a reason why it's taking longer than we might anticipate for uh, electrical vehicles to really proliferate. And that argument could be that the system is such that it's very, very difficult to change. And so on one hand, I want to just lead with that to say, even though we're seeing all of this happening with AI right now, it's going to take some time for the right tools to, to grab on that can start to make a difference for us. Now, in our world of learning and development, um, from a systems process or application standpoint, we could see immediate adoption. They bring up the fact that the biggest AI boon by far right now and the biggest dollars, the biggest money that we've seen, obviously, the $10 billion that Microsoft just invested, notwithstanding. Um, the biggest investment has been around finance and banking and insurance and, and fraud. And, you know, you getting a phone call from your bank to say, we just noticed a charge in such and such a place. And, you know, 
they, how do they know that? Based on, it's based on analytical models that they are able to track what's going on. They, they've been adopting uh, AI in the last six years or so, five, six years, the banking industry has transformed. Why? Because they already had just gobs of big data that they could begin to use as, in, uh, as part of their AI engine. So the question becomes, and again, I don't have the answers, guys, but the questions become, question becomes, if we in the L&D space are about taking gobs of data and making it accessible and bite-sized, and that's why I'm here, right? I'm an instructional designer, so I can make things easier to understand and deliver it to the learners in such a way that it's palatable and hopefully fun and engaging. Uh, that's why I have my job. But could, could the learning industry be one of the first to make the move into generative AI, both imagery and text? What's, what's, your, what's your vision, Rich? Do you think in the, in the near future, we could go into an AI tool and say, give me a 30-minute training that teaches um, an American who only speaks English and has a GED to use a Windows computer, and it could turn that out for us. No question. In fact, we could probably get pretty close today. It would be maybe like the school bus that Dan said, you know, ten years ago was generated through an AI backend. But but I bet we're could there, and you could even I'd go so far, Abby, to say include a learning game as part of that. Um, by the way, have you guys seen or heard of a game called Sumplete? Have you heard about this game yet? This could no. easily be a learning game, and it was created by ChatGPT. But somebody generated the game through prompts in ChatGPT. So to your point, Abby, is, is this uh, ability now to talk to a machine and tell it what you want just by typing in a prompt? I mean, what could they kick out? Unbelievable. It's it's. It is, uh, we're at the crest of a wave that is going to be a tsunami very soon. I will say, it was it was a few weeks ago, we had uh, Joey Acklin and uh, Ruben Corbett on, and we were wrapping up talking about chat GPT, and just as a, let's see, like I asked it to generate a 10-slide deck, I think on soft skills, and it did. It generated, <laughs> it, it suggested I include facilitator notes. And so then it generated those facilitator notes for me. And like, it was one of those things, like, I mean, like, obviously we're all learning development professionals. Like that's how we make our bread and butter. And so like a tool that can come in and be like, oh yeah, I can do this in like, you know, two minutes is like, cool, but also like, oh no. Uh, but I love it. Well, here's one thought I have and, and we'll see, maybe it'll be you learning nerds who will become the new thought leaders on this topic. Probably not me because I'm too old. But what if, what if the new thought leaders emerge with this thought? Hey, guys, no longer does our learning ever live at the bottom levels of Bloom's taxonomy, which is just understanding and, you know, explaining and, you know, I could demonstrating. I mean, these are the lower levels. If you know Benjamin Bloom and his taxonomy in the learning world. A lot of us do, but if you don't, it's good to look up. You know, learning objectives can be at the very lowest level, just about understanding, just about, you know, memorizing, repeating, uh, which is basically, you know, explaining something. I can learn it, then I can explain it. Well, there's power in that, you know, obviously. I need to get it in my head, and then I, if, it's a, if it's a new sales pitch, I need to learn it, and then I need to explain it. But let's just follow the example of the sales guy. Okay, if I'm a good really good instructional designer slash learning professional, what do I want to help that sales guy do? I mean, it's a no-brainer. I want to help him be successful at his job. So he'll be happy and the company will be happy and there's results and all the good things happen. So if I teach him how to do his sales pitch and I can confirm that he can do it and say it, and then I can give him a few examples of uh, customer objections and things like that, and see, can you know? Can he handle it? Can he respond to it? Then hopefully we can send him out into the world, and he'll do well. But that's what ChatGPT and the OpenAI team—that's what the OpenAI stuff is going to be able to do, hands down, no brainer, super easy. 
So then what if that means we as learning professionals and learning experience architects and whatever you want to call us, learning experience designers, we operate at the upper levels of Bloom's taxonomy, which is application and synthesis and evaluation and creating. So then we tell these sales guy, look, just go out there and learn all your stuff. By the way, you can use Jasper.ai, which has been around since 2019. That's almost five years ago, four or five years ago. Jasper.ai monetized OpenAI. They have a different platform than OpenAI, but same kind of thing. But guess what? Jasper will let you choose your source. I think you can do that in chat as well, chat GPT today. I want you to give me this and only pull from these sources. Well, you can tell Jasper, I want you to give me this and only pull from my internet. So then what is the lear- what's the learner going to get? Well, all the stuff that's out there on that topic in natural language from your own source that you've defined. You can also tell Jasper.ai um, what tone to put it in. I want this tone. I want it from these sources. And I want it up to the minute. Did you know that ChatGPT can't give you anything beyond 2021? Well, I should say 2021 to today. So it'll tell you. If you say, tell me about your reaction to the Super Bowl scores last month or whatever, it'll say, I am an open AI generator, whatever. I, I only have access to stuff from 2021 and beyond or earlier. So, uh, but Jasper doesn't. Jasper will give you up to the minute based on, you know, what it's, its ability to crawl and grab the big data. So they figured that out. So you could do all of that. Let your sales guy learn everything he needs to know. And now comes me and Abby and Scott and Dan. We are now the learning architects who are going to say to this guy, this sales guy, okay, now we're going to put you through the Star Trek holodeck of learning experiences that will finally let us as designers get beyond the boring stuff we've had to do for decades. I'm just sort of blue skying now, but do you see where I'm going with that? That would be interesting. Oh, dude, I love it. I love it. The idea that we could build a true asynchronous learning experience keyed to a learner. So that way, like I can just say like, all right, cool, everybody dive into the system, go take your courses. And then like, have them like just run off, go do that and have, and the machine know like, okay, cool. Like, Hey, you probably need to know this, this, and this, and Oh, you you said this and I don't think it's correct. And here's how you correct that. And then focus on to your point, the important stuff like, Hey, okay, cool. You know, all the basics. We know it's in your head. Now let's, let's to your, like a holodeck. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We spend a lot of time in the minutia and you know what that would do too, guys. That would, that would revolutionize the screen generation. Let's talk about the millennials and the Gen Zers, uh, of which I work with a lot and have several kids who are in that frame, you know, my own children. But I've been worried as a parent of, you know, raising kids here in the 21st century that they spend so much time at their phones, their engagements are, you know, one little one-liners in text or whatnot, but really engaging in a professional world. Uh, I think it's a real issue that we get concerned about. But if the learning, if, if one of those kids comes to comes online, comes to join my company, and he's going to be a customer service agent, I need him to really know how to talk to customers in a, a real way. I can teach him all the things to say. I can teach him all the systems he has to know or she. But now I want to get into, okay, what you're really here to do is to help that customer upsell him or her into this thing or extend this contract. I mean, let's get down to what we're all here to do. We're all in various capacities. If I'm getting paid to do something, I promise you, I'm getting paid to do something that is going to benefit my employer so they can make money so I can make money. So how it's all going to change is fascinating to me. Well, it already has. Mm-hmm. You know, if I really think about um, learning um, within since you and I probably came in cross paths, Rich, hey, we're going to go ahead and design in-class learning. That was the deal. With some, you know, computer-based learning on the outskirts, right? So a lot of the, you know, mandatory stuff with throwing CBL, no one really cares about. I shouldn't say no one really cares about that, but that's where we can track it. All that other good stuff, you guys do the classroom training. That's what we were doing. And now, you know, that has evolved into far more virtual training, um, far more CBL creation. When I first started making videos, 10 minutes was pretty good. Like if you got a video, learning video to 10 minutes, and that was fun, exciting, it was great. Today, you you want to know what my 
average TRT for a learning video is? 30 seconds to 60 seconds. 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Anything over that is not, <laughs> not acceptable. Garima Gupna was on a few weeks ago, and I always remember this quote. I use it all the time. Like, attention is the currency for learning. So we've, we've graduated from this in-classroom experience to a virtual experience to a mobile experience, and now, now we have the opportunity to leapfrog again from LCD, least common denominator of the stuff that we normally put together. Hey, put together a learning about these features and benefits and why it's so great, and we're going to hand it off to somebody, they're going to digest it, they're going to learn it, and then maybe they'll be better. If AI can do that for me in a much better way, let them do that. Let's give them this rich experience that is transformational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. These are the things that I want to do as a learning expert, and nine times out of ten, budget, time constraints, or you're crazy are the reasons why people tell me no. Like, no, you mm-hmm. can't do any of that. Just put this deck together, hand it to some schlub, they'll learn, we'll check the box, we'll feel good about it. And now I'm like, I don't need that. You know, this can do it. Let's let's transform. Let's make a world, as you would say, Rich, that's better. That's right. Yeah. Hey, yeah spot on. And I think it's a great time for people to sit back and say, if chat GPS can build an entire training for me, why is that okay? Like, what else am I doing in my role? Because we're doing a lot more. Um, but to Rich's point, we're so caught up in the minutia. We're not necessarily giving it the attention we should. We're not even realizing we're doing it. Like little things like knowing to Rich's point, like what you should and shouldn't be pulling from. And is that even something it's going to be able to access? Mm -hmm. And what you feed into it matters. Are you really prepared to feed in the right kind of data so that you get the right kind of results? Um, Mm -hmm. All those things are important and and are not going to become less important. Yeah, Abby, that's prompt engineering. We all need to get very versed in prompt engineering. Otherwise, we're going to get that little yellow block that kind of looks like a school bus. Yeah, I <laughs> that True. this as we're talking about, like how this is going to affect, you know, what we do. Abby, you're like, you know, like, why should people like what's the big deal with us if like I can just go ask a, a chat GPT or a, an AI assistant to do it? Like. This is one of those things that moves our industry from good to great. Agreed. If it's we're, we're, we're evolving, you know. Yeah. It's evolution. The and survival of the fittest. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. And like, I'm so excited more than I'm terrified. So much more than I'm terrified. I'm so excited for what this represents. And the ability yeah. to look at somebody and say, hey, yes, I can build this. Let me come back to you in an hour with a, with a storyboard and a first draft. Instead but we're of, a little terrified, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm terrified. I'm because of our human tendency to be afraid, afraid of the unknown. But to Dan's point, I think his his approach is the right approach. We approach it with a sense of wonderment, a sense of curiosity, and this is what computers can never beat us on: is wow. Okay, well, if you're going to do that for me now, Mister Computer, uh, Mrs. Computer, if you're going to do that for me now, what does that free my mind up, which is infinite? What does it free my mind up to be able to do? Because I know the human experience better than anyone because I am one. And as a learning professional, I can put myself in the shoes of a learner who needs to understand, believe, and do a certain thing and behave a certain way. Um, All of that is possible. And we at ELB Learning, I'll just speak for me and my experience, you know, that we've been in the acquisition game for the last few years. We're acquiring new businesses. And some of the tools we're acquiring have already been uh, bringing AI to the forefront. You know, imagine a tool where you can record yourself with that sales pitch. And then the, the machine will give you feedback, not only on did you get the right words, did you use the right keywords, but how was your uh, tone? How was your pace? How was your eye, eye contact? How was your, uh, you know, rate of speech? I mean, all of all of that stuff is, is happening now in some of the tools that we're acquiring. And so we're going to see, I think, this point of critical mass now. Again, if you read... Uh, it's called um, cosmos, cosmic perspectives on something or other. If you like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a very famous physicist, but he wrote a, this this recent book that was so well done. Um, and 
Oh, it's called Starry Messenger. Yeah, Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on blah, blah, blah. But he, he breaks this thing down into 10 years. Let's look at the amazing things that happened in this 10-year block, in this 10-year block. And I'm 53, so I go back those 10-year blocks, and I'm like, good heavens, he's right. When I was born in 69, look what's look where we are today. I wouldn't have even imagined it. But in the next 10 years, when I'm getting close to retirement and others are coming up, it's just going to be, I mean, I hope I'll be able to sit back and watch or maybe stay involved a little bit. So <laughs> anyway, it's all just very, very fascinating. And I think fun is the right way to think about it. Well, the opportunity for exponential growth is there. Yes. Because you're right. The creative mind that we have is um, insurmountable with what we can create, right? But all too often, K through 12, and even what we do in corporate learning, it's all not creative thinking. It isn't problem solving. It's just, do I understand this and can I do that? We can get, we can take care of that in other ways and really encourage and challenge our audience to be problem solvers and be creative thinkers and, and create amazing things like the, wow, I'm, you thought I was a, a little spicy before. Now I'm extra spicy. I mean, this yeah. is, this is where it's at, right? I do want to say one last thing. I know we're getting close to the end here, but uh, Wired Magazine, it, uh, it, uh, with this, this, we're, we're nerds, right? So don't we read Wired? I read Wired every month. Wired Magazine is awesome. I've been reading them for 10, 15 years. They had an article in their most recent issue about this whole concept. They, they brought this point up. They made this point, which I think is interesting. When digital cameras came out, however many years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years, I don't know, when they became very popular, there was a set of workers out there in the world, graphic artists and those who uh, you know, took pictures the old-fashioned way and printed them and then put them in magazines, who really were up in arms, feeling like, oh, man, where our jobs are going away. And, you know, but everybody just evolved. Everybody just morphed. All those graphic artists and those creators of media, uh, they evolved. And now they, they're able to, now there's so many more pictures to choose from. Good heavens, even in the, like our library, you mentioned, Scott, you've known us since 2012, 20, yeah, 2012. Well, we now have over 120 million assets. I think back when you started, we had, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000. So now here we are, ELB Learning, just in the last 10 years, we have over 120 million assets out there. Why? Because the stock stuff is just time a dozen. It's just out there. It's just, there's, there's, a, there's hundreds of millions of things that just live out there. Um, and so then we as a designer can go pull one of those down and do something cool with it. It's turbocharged our, our ability to create cool stuff. Um, and so it's just one, another way to think about how this will likely evolve. And the one mistake we could make, I guess maybe I could leave us all with this, is we, we cannot put our head in the sand regarding all of this. If you haven't signed up for ChatGPT yet, you have to do it. Sometimes the servers are down, but you can get in there and play with it and start understanding it. And, and again, it's going to be part of it's going to be part of the Microsoft suite soon enough. Um, Bing, it's I guess already out there on Bing. I haven't really tried on Bing, uh, which is the Microsoft search engine to ask it to do cool stuff, but apparently it can. Uh, watch Google and Bard and what they're coming out with. It's really important to just be aware of it because it is right in the heart of what we are doing as learning and development professionals. It is right at the heart of what we're doing. And so we have to be aware of it, understand it, embrace it, and then figure out how to make it work for us so that we can do even colder things. Rich, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate uh, this discussion, I think it's fantastic. Um, could you do us a favor? Could you let our audience know how they could connect with you? Oh, you bet. Uh, I'm pretty easy. It's Richard at elblearning.com. So not not even my last name since I was one of the early guys there. So just Richard at elblearning. And I'm also on LinkedIn, um, linkedin.com slash Rich Vass. You can find me there. And um, usually I'm very responsive. So. For sure, anybody can reach out and touch base. Uh, talk to folks all day long. That's my role. So happy to take any kind of meeting or conversation just to chat about where we're going, where we're headed, where we're at, fun things that are happening. So I really enjoyed this. 
guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll be connected and chatting more about this as we move on. Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you do us a solid and let our audience know how they could connect with us? Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, send us an email, nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you may have. Join in on the conversation. Tell us what you learned or if you've done anything with uh, chat GPT or just AI in general. We're super curious and we'll read it on there if it's super cool. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. For all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. That's pretty much it, Scott. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody, could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? Share this episode out with your friends. We'd really appreciate it if you liked the show or even if you hated the show. Do us a favor. Leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get our information out to more people and to get better. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And I'm Rich. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.